So welcome to this week's energy show. Now there's a new type of utility in town. Now utilities, just you know, for people who aren't really clear about that, generate power, they purchase power from merchant power producers, and they distribute electricity to businesses and homes. Now there used to be only two types of utilities. One is called an investor-owned utility. That's kind of the dominant form. Those are owned by stockholders, and PG&E is a good example of that. By the way, PG&E is the best investor-owned utility I've worked with around the country, even though they're, they're not perfect when it comes to solar. Now, the other kind of utility, historically, has been a municipal utility. These are owned by cities and communities like Silicon Valley Power and Santa Clara City, or the City of Palo Alto Utilities. Now, here's the thing. With IOUs, or investor-owned utilities, they try to maximize their profits. They're working for their stockholders. Their executives get bonuses when they hit their profits. They don't provide inexpensive electricity, and they're opposed to customers installing their own solar panels and batteries because that encroaches on their revenue and their profits. They spend millions of dollars on electric rate cases to maximize their profits, often at the expense of solar and battery storage customers are trying to do away with net metering, shifting peak times to the evening when the sun's not shining, doing all kinds of things like that. And I've been battling utilities over rooftop solar here in the Bay Area for almost 20 years. Now, there's a new kind of hybrid utility called a Community Choice Aggregation Utility, or CCA. Now, CCAs buy power from large solar and wind farms as well as other power plants in the evening. And they distribute this power over the existing utility lines. So the existing utility, in our case PG&E, does the billing and maintains the power lines. And since the CCAs aren't trying to maximize their profits, they can offer slightly cheaper electricity And they have a much better deal for solar customers. So Silicon Valley Clean Energy is the new CCA serving most of the Silicon Valley area. My guest on this week's show is John Supp, manager of account services at Silicon Valley Clean Energy. And John has a great background that combines behind-the-meter solar and distributed energy with clean energy utilities. So welcome to the show, John. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, great. Well, kind of a big intro there, but tell me a little bit more in your words what a community choice aggregation organization is. That's a great question. So what I love about community choice energy or community choice agencies is that it really gives a city and it gives the residents and businesses in the city a voice, a voice for how power is priced, a voice for how which power is bought. And then a voice for how additional revenues, if any, are reinvested back in the community. And so at the end of the day, this is all about giving the people in the, in the community uh, a way to make an impact in something that they really have not had much of an impact in before. I don't know about you, but I haven't had much success personally working on rate cases to you know, get the IOUs to believe what I want to see out of rates. But this is a very public agency with a public process. Yeah. No, I've, I used to have a lot of black hair. And after all the <laughs> meetings I've had with PG&E in Sacramento, and the PUC, it's almost all gone now. Yeah. And it's very frustrating because it's it's a zero-sum game with investor-owned utilities. They want to make more money for the investors. I want to make you know save money for my customers, and they don't win. And that's a great advantage of CCA. So what are the other benefits? Why is it better for a community than a regular utility? Well, I want to start with with uh, why the cities even decided to go down this route. So, you know, cities are looking at how they can be great stewards of the environment as well as keep costs within reason for the people who are living in those cities and for the businesses that have businesses there. So, when cities looked at this, they said, "Wait, there's a model out there where we the city can actually provide a lower cost energy. That's one big goal." 
and then do it by buying cleaner energy, which is another big goal. So really, I mean, from the city's perspective, this was a no-brainer. You know, this is the single biggest thing a city can do to cut its greenhouse gas emissions. And almost overnight, by starting this agency, we dropped greenhouse gas emissions accountable to the city, to the cities we represent, by over twenty percent, which is massive. Incredibly hard to do any other way. So it was a, that was really the big driving factor in why the cities went for this. So, you know, I, in my experience, most people are interested in saving, you know, in, in the environment, lowering greenhouse gas. But then we, when you start to put a price on it, it's like, well, you know, solar is going to reduce greenhouse gases, but it's going to cost you, you know, $5,000. And like, well, I can kind of do without it. What are the other benefits of CCAs? Are there any economic benefits? Absolutely. So it's funny, when I, you know, when I started with the solar business back in 2001, uh, so I also had uh, more <laughs> or less gray hair back then. But uh, yeah, if someone Someone said back in 2001, look, the cost of solar energy at large scale or even at the residential scale is going to be cost effective compared to utility scale power. I would have said, yeah, probably not. I mean, there's probably other reasons to do it. But the case today, it's quite simply more economical to invest in renewable energy. So what that translates to for businesses and residences in our service area is their rates are going down. So by using clean energy, so we're carbon-free power sources, people's rates, their bills are going down by about 3% overall. So, And that's translating to about $20 million worth of savings just this year. Yeah. For our territory, yeah, and that's, that's twenty million dollars you can do something else with, other than spend on utility bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. On, on the other hand, I kind of historically look at what happened with electric rates in California since two thousand one, and they've consistently, you know, not consistently, but they bounced up and down, averaging maybe a four or five or six percent increase compounded every year. So it keeps going up. Now, one quick question: So you're providing clean energy. Obviously, you can get that from the sun during the day and wind. But what other energy sources do you use besides solar and wind? Yeah, besides solar and wind, I mean the big biggest one that we're leveraging for evening would be hydropower. Okay. So we, I don't know if you know about this, but you know the entire West Coast, right? Multiple states as well as part of Southern Canada and Northern Mexico, we're all connected electrically. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, there are power supplies that can be you know not right here that we can leverage. So yeah, dams from up in Washington, we can get power from there as well to yeah. supplement this. So that that works. Okay. And, and I think right. the other big part about that is we're investing heavily, and we'll see we'll see some announcements about this soon. Investing in large scale battery storage to go along with the solar investments that we're making. Yeah, the battery stuff makes such total sense, both from a behind-the-meter you know, residential and commercial customer and also from a utility, and it just also adds a lot of resiliency. So what areas does Silicon Valley Clean Energy cover? Yeah, so we cover Santa Clara County. So there's 13 communities within Santa Clara County that we represent. They don't include San Jose, who's doing their own agency. Mm-hmm. So great for the people in San Jose, they're going to get their own agency. And then Palo Alto and, and Santa Clara, you mentioned already, they have their own municipal utilities. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to do it. But the other ones, Milpitas, Cupertino, Sunnyvale, Mountain View, Los Altos, I'm not going to name all 13, but yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. yeah quite yeah. a few of them. Cupertino, Los Gatos, Saratoga, Gilroy, Montecerino, and you got Morgan Hill. So there you go. Thank most you. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's about a quarter million accounts. Hmm. Yeah. About 200 and some thousand residential customers. So how does Silicon Valley Clean Energy work with PG&E? Who does the billing? Who buys the electricity? Who maintains the wires? Yeah, we get this question quite a lot because you know the first thing people think of when this happens, they go, "Wait a second, what's going to happen to the reliability of this?" Right? How do I make sure my lights actually come on? And I want to reinforce: this is the biggest change that really has almost no visible impact to a customer. So PG&E still does maintenance of the wires, 
They still handle power outages. They still provide the billing. So you get one convenient bill from PG&E that happens to have our discount on there as well. So yeah, super easy. So it's a partnership. And I think this is really key. We work really well with PG&E at the operational level on making sure customers' bills are accurate on time, and in our case, inclusive of our discounted rate. Yeah. So. I have seen, and I've been signed up with Silicon Valley Clean Energy. It's automatic. You basically uh, have to opt out. And very, very few people say, oh, I just want to stick with PG&E. But they do a pretty good job of maintaining the wires. And when the power goes out, a transformer blows, you know, that they should be proactive. But But I'll tell you, the one question we get is people have questions about the billing. Mm -hmm. Because my bill, actually, I got two or three more pages on my bill, and it's a little bit more complicated. So how does that work? Wow, okay. (laughs) That's going to be a hard one. So let's just... Visuals for the radio. <laughs> no, I have I have my bill here, but yeah. but you know, let's just uh, r- real quickly. Yeah, I'll do it the simplest way okay. I can. I can explain it. PG&E roughly covers about half the bill. That's mm-hmm. transmission distribution. We okay. cover about half of the other part of the bill, which is generation. It's all going to show up on one statement. So the biggest thing for people to realize is, yeah, you're going to see two names on there. SVCE and PG&E, but really your bill was essentially cut in half, mm-hmm. and we're each taking care of half of that bill. It's right. not double charging. Right, right. And so I was telling you the anecdotes that I've had with customers is, first of all, they get confused, and, and we you know explain this to them. It's actually on our website. And then I've ha- actually had some problems with billing that you guys have helped out with, that PG&E kind of made a mistake on some of the first net metering bills. It turned out, oh, that was just a mistake. But when we dig into the details on the bills, in every single case, I've never seen an error from you guys. So And in in every single case, it looks like the customer's amount of build for electricity, it looks like it went down a little bit, which is exactly what we expect. Yeah. So last year when we launched, the impact on the bill was probably in the order of a half a percent to 1% last year. This mm-hmm. year, it is our generation rates are 6% lower than PG&E. And that's turning out, because again, we're only doing about half of the bill. Mm-hmm. That's turning out to be about a 3% give or take overall reduction in people's bills. And that's, that's really great. That's, yeah. a, that's where that $20 million figure comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I, my only advice is don't go to like 80% savings because you're going to kill the benefits of the solar we're installing. So just, you know, just my <laughs> there. <laughs> All right. When did CCA start in California? So the there was a law passed in 2002. So actually, the, the legislation that allowed this to happen is quite old. But the first CCA got off the ground and started serving customers in 2010, and that was up in Marin. And then it took a couple of years to get the next couple, but boy, they're, we're growing like crazy around the, the state here. Yeah, yeah. And then San Jose's is going into effect sometime this year, also, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Alameda County, uh, just to the east of us, theirs mm-hmm. is already active and launched. Okay. And then you go to the other side, and you go to Santa Cruz, San Benito, and Monterey. Mm-hmm. Theirs is already active and launched right. as well. So Good. it's hard to look at a map of the Bay Area and not see a CCA already in operation. Yeah, yeah. so PG&E probably has those areas blacked out on their map because they're not crazy about it. Okay, so let's talk about Silicon Valley Clean Energy and solar customers. Are there benefits if people have solar? Absolutely. So I think probably the leading source of questions we get is actually from solar customers because they're paying attention to their bill. They obviously made an investment to reduce their bill, so they want to know what's going on. So easiest thing is, at the end of the day, our system provides more benefits to them than what they had before. So we've had our first April cash out, which is very exciting for us. In that April cash out, we had 15,000 solar customers. 5,000 of them got to roll forward credits on their bill that otherwise would have been lost. So those 5,000 certainly were happy. And we had another 500 where we wrote checks. Wow, you wrote a check. So basically, the way it works with PG&E and the existing utilities is if you have a negative balance at the end of the year, in other words, if the utility owes you money, 
they don't write you a check for that. So I'm looking at my bill from a couple years ago from PG&E, and I had a balance at the end of the year after my true statement of negative $46.86. And I would really like to get a check for that or just a credit. Well, they didn't even say thank you. They just wiped it out to zero. And whenever we would size systems for solar customers, we would be really careful never to have the system produce more energy so you'd have a negative bill at the end of the year. Now, we're like with customers, hey, I had somebody talk to me on Saturday. We had a seminar. Customers, hey, I want to put the biggest system in I can. I want to get as big a check back from the utility as I can. So there's no downside. And then I actually ran the math. Of, okay, how much is the solar going to cost? How much are going to get reimbursed? It's actually even a better investment if you're running the meter backwards and you get a big check at the end. I mean, it's better than almost anything you can get on Wall Street. I got to tell you, so when we didn't know what we were going to see, right, until we actually ran the numbers, and we wrote checks to another 500 customers, mm-hmm. and the largest residential checks we ended up writing were over $1,000. Wow. A couple that were in the $1,000 range, one in the $2,000 range. Now, again, right, there are limits to how big yeah. your system can get. Yeah. We can't control that. That's yeah. sort of a PG&E question. Mm-hmm. But certainly, you're not going to lose anything if you happen to oversize a bit and overgenerate. Yeah. So, yeah, so for the vast majority of customers, it's it's functionally the same as it was before, mm-hmm. but for that third of the customer bases that were actually generating more value than they could have benefited from PG&E, they're either keeping the credits or getting the cash, and we're paying those at full retail rates. Yeah. That's great, because just to summarize, the old way under PG&E was that if you over-generate, if you, you invested in a bigger system than you needed, you'd gotten zero benefit from that investment. And now with Silicon Valley Clean Energy and probably other CCAs, you get the money. Now, how does the true up work on a monthly basis? It's not on an annual basis. It's it's more monthly, right? Well, uh, one part of it's monthly. Okay. All right. So in our world, if you owe us money for mm-hmm. the generation side of your bill, we ask that you pay for it. Okay. Okay. So in the winter, uh, I'm going to write you a check. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Every but month. remember, that puts your account back to zero, which right. means it's actually going to be easier for you to get a credit the next month. Right. So come April, and April's when we do our cash outs. Mm-hmm. We look at people's bills, and if they've got a credit balance, we either roll it forward or, again, write them a check. So, yeah, in a month, you might owe us money. But at the end of the year, if you were going to be, quote, zeroing out your bill, uh, you would have written us a check, we would have written you a check, and that's how you get to it zero. It works out the same. You know, yeah, it's cash funny. flow is the same. It's funny. April is about when I start going negative for the year. March isn't always negative, but April is usually negative. Okay, so the maximum check you wrote is $1,000. That's really terrific. Uh, it was actually 2000 2000 um, We did have some $5,000 checks, but those were for commercial customers. So slightly different. We will write a check for up to 5000 Up to 5000 5, Right, right, right. I saw that in details. That's really, really cool. Now, you mentioned a little bit about battery storage. How do battery storage systems affect my service with Silicon Valley Energy? Does that give me any extra benefits with the way you work? Yeah, so great question. I think this is becoming more and more interesting for people. I think you already mentioned a little bit earlier about, hey, there's certain times of the day where energy is valued more highly, Mm -hmm. right? And for some of the people that are paying attention, that's going to change. That window is changing over time. Mm -hmm. And so having storage is going to let you harvest that energy you collected from your solar system, say, in the middle of the day, and then maybe discharge that energy later in the day when it's at peak, when it's worth more money. So we see the future. Uh, we call it sort of this future fit concept, right? Where homes having solar storage, EVs, and so on. We absolutely see storage as a key component in that because you're going to want to generate that power from your solar during the day, but then use it 
when it's most useful, right, you know, right. which might be later in the day well, when the sun's uh, going down. I mean, that's exactly what our, many of our customers are doing. 90% or more of our customers are interested in a storage battery, and we're closing about 30% of the customers with the battery because the battery's a little expensive, even though there's a $3,000 rebate. But the other advantage of the battery is it provides backup power. So on the one hand, I was surprised that the biggest benefit that people perceive with a battery is they get backup power. And there's a lot of blackouts. I mean, I've had five over the last 18 months. But on the other hand, looking at the money savings, most of our customers, the best rate to go on is the EV rate. So in the morning and until about 2 or 3 o'clock, the electric rate is $0.25 a kilowatt hour. But from about 2 or 3 o'clock to 9 p.m. at night, electricity is $0.45 a kilowatt hour. And you don't want to be buying $0.45 power. So what happens with our battery customers, it's just terrific to watch. Every morning by about 10 or 11 o'clock, that battery is fully charged. Battery sits at 100% charged all day. And then around 2, 3, 4 o'clock when the sun goes down, the battery starts discharging. So you're using your own six cent a kilowatt hour power that you've generated from your own solar instead of buying power for 45 cents. So you come out way, way ahead. It's a big benefit. More and more people are going to start looking at those numbers. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you hit on it spot on. That's definitely a rate that makes a lot of sense, right? The bigger that difference between that high peak rate and that lower non-peak rate, I think that's where it's going to work out the best. Yeah. And you mentioned EVs. So I got a little plug for EVs on this. Mm-hmm. I've been driving one for almost a year. It is just a flat out better driving experience. Between the fast start, the acceleration, the handling, and the fact that, honestly, I don't touch the brakes anymore. So anyway. Which EV do you have? Can I say it? It's a Chevy Bolt. A Chevy Bolt. Bolt with a a a, a, I have a Alt with a V. So I have a Chevy Volt, and I love it. And and it's great because it's got the gas engine. Sometimes I have to go to Sacramento, and I don't even have to worry about it. I drive up there, you know, fill the gas up, come back. But the Bolt's got like a 200-mile range. It's already pretty good. 250. Funny thing, I also went to Sacramento and back in the Bolt uh, using just clean electricity. So that's cool. Anyway, that's the future I see coming. And solar and storage are a huge part of that. And then we charge up your Bolt and my Volt. I charge it up from solar during the day at the office, and then I got, you know, running on clean power the whole time. Yeah, the power they're buying is all carbon-free. So, yeah, when I'm charging it, it's coming from wind, solar, and hydro. So it's a great virtuous cycle there. And again, it's just a better driving experience. Yeah, yeah, no, they're great, and it's a great combination. The other electric rate, if you don't have an EV, you usually go on what's called the time of use A rate, which I think is a thirty-seven cent a kilowatt hour peak, thirty-two off peak. So you don't have that big advantage that you have with the EV rate. We even say to our customers, hey, you know, think about getting an EV because you're going to save even more on your electricity. Okay, so let me ask kind of some hypothetical questions here. What's the future of conventional utilities? I mean, look around the Bay Area here; you've got so many coming in. How's PG&E going to to continue to thrive? What are they going to do as CCAs become more popular and as more and more people put in rooftop solar and storage? You know, that's a wonderful question. And I think I want to start actually answer that question going back a few years. You know, 40 years ago, California separated, right, the profit of a utility from the amount of energy that it's pushing through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they are already making their money off of services, programs, and wires. Right. That's really where they're making money. They're making plenty of money. Right. They don't make their money on the generation side. So actually, our involvement in this doesn't really affect their profit side. So we see them as being, again, a service provider. Mm -hmm. You know, really net energy metering, like the ability for you to to just get money stored on your account from solar, Mm -hmm. that actually is a service. And we actually see, you know, many more services potential for 
for a utility like that. Why did you own the battery, or why does your customer own the battery? Maybe that's actually something PG&E will do in the future. Yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of look know. at it from the standpoint is they always want to maximize their assets because they, they get a guaranteed profit, 10 or 11% on their net assets. So whether they put a battery in or a homeowner puts a battery in, obviously they prefer if they put the battery in, and they're fighting really hard on that. But you know, it's an exorable trend towards more distributed generation, more storage, more solar on rooftops. So let me ask you a question. How can people get in touch with Silicon Valley Clean Energy? Yeah, the easiest way is on our website. Okay. So Silicon well, Valley Clean Energy. So it's svcleanenergy.org. Or you can call us toll-free, which is 844-474-7823. All right. And then just to reiterate, if you're in the Santa Clara County, not Palo Alto, not City of Santa Clara, you're pretty much automatically go on to Silicon Valley Clean Energy unless you opt out. And I have no idea why anybody would want to opt out. Yeah, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people. Some people just don't like being forced to do something, even though it's cleaner and saves money. Yep. You know, they just didn't like the process. Yep. But we expect to see them coming back. Yep. yep. And I can tell you right now, the future is electric. Oh, yeah. There's no way around that. That's the way the the movement's going. So everything's electric. And that's why people need backup power so much. All right. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, John, for joining us today. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. 